can gather together from various states and various nations and meet online and partake of the holy bread of God's Word together and get built up in the things of God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what your needs are, what your desires are. I believe He knows the hair that are on your head. He knows every little detail about your life. And He's going to minister to you and speak to you today. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's take our Bibles and drop down to verse 10. And we want to receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God. And I also want to take a moment, a very special moment, and pray over all of the sacrificial seeds that you have sown into the Pentecost fire offering for the moving ahead of the television ministry. And so we are now empowered through your gracious giving to move into production of new TV programs. I want to say a big God bless you and thank you for that. And I believe that I believe you've touched the Lord's heart through your giving. I believe that you've connected with an element of sacrifice and God has seen that and he's going to touch and multiply your seed and now you're going to see harvest come back to you. And I want to pray over your seeds in just a moment. Because what left your hand as a seed is going to come back into your life as a mighty harvest. And I want you to be expecting that. We're in verse 10. Paul the Apostle said, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Praise God. The fruits of your righteousness your ability to give, your ability to pour out, your ability to bless. That is something that God sees as being ever increasing in your life. Now the previous chapters, chapter 8 and of course chapter 9, the main content of it and even all the way through to the, the uh, conclusion of it, really centers on the subject of the giving and receiving of holy offerings and how God is able to bless and even to multiply the seed that you sow. And if you read slowly through these chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, you will see that Paul, unashamedly, writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, identifies your money as being seed. Now I know that farmers understand planting, seed time, harvest, but for those of us that are not out in the field, not... Uh, you know, out in the dirt driving tractors and hoeing weeds and things like that. Sometimes we, we don't understand that this is a cycle that just keeps on going, keeps on going. My friends, we've tapped into something where I believe that the blessing of God is going to overtake you in a mighty way. So what you sowed was very sacred in the eyes of God. Don't ever belittle your seed because it is your seed that is the custodian of your great future. Your offering is a seed. It may be small to you at this time, but you have learned that you can start from whatever place that you are at. Anytime you sow a financial seed, you are planning into your very own financial garden. Isn't that wonderful? Gardening's fun. Whether it's tomatoes, or whether uh, it's something nice like cantaloupe that you want to grow because you enjoy the taste or flavor, you are growing a financial garden. Glory to God, and you're sowing seed into it. So it's important to remember that uh, if you keep your seed, 
it can't grow. You have to release it from your hand and plant it into the soil so that it can come back to you in the form of a harvest. Now, addicted givers, and that's you, are destined to walk in financial dominion. Ooh, think about that. Financial dominion. No financial stress. No financial pressure. You're walking in the shade of Psalm 91. God's protection over your life. And you're not feeling the heat that the world goes through. There's always going to be economic cycles. There's always going to be seasons of ups and downs. And uh, recessions and difficulties. You can't stop that. That's a part of the economic cycle. A part of the world cycle. But you're going to go through it without feeling the heat. You're moving into financial dominion. That is the heritage of addicted givers. Now we see in chapter 8. In chapter 9, that Paul was emphasizing the sowing of financial seed. And the reason that he is doing this and stressing this by the Holy Spirit is because it's your seed that changes your money situation. Praise God. So think about this. It takes giving to grow up. It takes continuous giving to stay up. And it takes growing in giving to continue growing up. I want to say it again. It takes giving to grow up. It takes continuous giving to stay up. And it takes growing in giving to continue growing up. I remember the first time that me and my wife, we sowed a $1,000 seed into the ministry that we were connected with. And what well, this uh, minister was the, a spiritual father to us. And we sowed a thousand dollar seed into his ministry. And at that time, uh, just young in our marriage, you know, that, that was something that we thought was, was epic. And it was to us. And when we sowed the $1,000 seed, we knew that we had broken through into a new level. Our faith had gone to a new level. We didn't have a harvest yet, but we had already broken through into a new level because we had done something that we wanted to do, and God empowered us to do it, and we stepped out and did it. Now, when we first did it, we were just like, wow, this is amazing. But you know what? We have grown. We have grown. Our giving did not become stagnant. Our giving did not become a one-time, you know, like memorial where we just, we just camp here and we never move, even though the cloud keeps moving. See, the Israelites, you have to follow the cloud. Cloud by day, fire by night. And so the glory is moving. And so that was the first time we sowed it. But you know what? Some months went by. And we sowed another one, another $1,000 seed. And then some time went by, and then we sowed another one, and then we sowed another one. And then God would bless us in a way where we could sow even larger seeds, and we did that. So remember, it takes giving to grow up. If you're not a giving Christian, you're never going to mature spiritually. It takes giving to grow up. It takes continuous giving to remain up, okay? And it takes growing in giving to continue growing up. Praise the Lord. Your faith and your giving should never stop growing. I believe that the seeds that you have sown 
I believe that these sacrificial seeds that you have placed on the altar of God as Pentecost fire offerings, I believe that you will soon look back and sow a seed larger than that to the glory of God. Why? Because God's harvest and God's prosperity and God's blessing in your life, that what you have done was sacrificial, but yet because you did that, you now break through to a greater dimension of God's blessing, and that what you will do in the very near future will outshine what you have even done during this current season in your life. Shout amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you need to work your way into God's covenant of prosperity. Woo, praise God. What is a covenant of prosperity? Well, first of all, a covenant is a deal that is enacted by God. It's based on well-defined terms, and it's sealed with an oath, with a promise from God Himself. But this is what's interesting about a financial covenant. It's not a promise. In other words, it's not something that just automatically happens in your life, even though you're saved. Even though you're Christian and you're on your way to heaven, financial prosperity is not, in a sense, guaranteed for you. It only begins to flow in your life when you engage God on the principle of a financial covenant. Woo! And God will meet the deal. God will come in and engage you with the terms. But if you don't obligate yourself to the terms of that covenant, then he's not obligated to be a part of it, even though you're his own son or daughter. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. But if you merge into what is a literal covenant agreement, you know, the Bible, there's two covenants. There's the Old Testament. What is the Testament? It's an old covenant. Okay, ratified by an oath, by a promise from God. What is the New Testament? It's a new covenant. That's all it is. It's a new covenant based on better promises. And it's backed with a promise. It's backed with an oath, and it's sealed with the blood of Jesus. Okay? Woo! But there is also a financial covenant that you can have with God that will exempt you from all of this, you know, rat race, as we call it, the, the stress and pressure of trying to do it in your own strength and your own ability, and all the fear and worry that's associated with that. And that's what the world lives in every day. But you can engage God on the platform of a financial covenant, and when God comes in, because you're doing His part and He does His part, the blessing is real. Hallelujah. And you'll never go down because you're connected with God and He can't go down. Woo! Praise God. You need to merge into the financial covenant with God. The first way that you come into this is through the stream of tithing. Through the stream of tithing. Why? Because tithing is the elementary principle of faith. And if, if you can't tithe, you'll never understand what faith is. And if you don't understand what faith is and use your faith, you'll never take hold of the promises of God. Mmm, glory to God. Hallelujah. It takes faith to tithe. That's the introduction into the realm of the kingdom of God, of working by faith. So you come into this covenant through tithing, through tithing. See, people look at Abraham, and they can quote scriptures of, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Abraham was very rich. See, it doesn't just say he was rich. It says he was very rich. 
And he had a lot of cattle and a lot of silver and a lot of gold. And then Christians today say, yes, I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. But they don't have any cattle. They don't have any gold. They don't have any silver. Why? Because Abraham was working the covenant. Abraham was working the covenant. And if you want to come into the covenant, if you want to walk in the footsteps of Abraham and be blessed like him, you have to do the works of Abraham. Glory to God. Shout, yes. Come on, merge into a financial covenant. Get on the platform that can never be shaken. Glory to God. Glory to God. And you also engage this covenant through the sowing of sacred seed, sacrificial seed. When the Holy Spirit emphasizes a time to give into a work of God, you move into that with powerful seed. And God touches that. Hallelujah. And you are now working this covenant with God, locked into it with Him. And you can never go down because God can never go down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. When you wake up in the morning, and see the sun come up when you go to bed at night and you look out your window and you see the moon out at night then be then be assured and remind yourself that the covenant of seed time and harvest is also an operation and that the covenant of prosperity is still intact with God for those who engage Genesis 8:22 talks about God's ever continuing cycles ever continuing cycles summer winter cold heat day night seed time harvest shall never ever ever cease why it is sustained by a covenant that God made nothing can ever 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 break it ever and you can actually come into a real financial covenant with God where you're never broken financially you never go under, regardless of what's going on around you. Regardless of what's going on around you, you will find a place of exemption. You will find a place of protection like the Israelites down in Egypt. Yet they were in Goshen. And while all the plagues were devouring even the economy of the Egyptians, the Israelites, while in it, were not tasting of it. While it was going all around them, they were yet not partaking of the destruction. They were exempted from it. God's got a place for you, a financial exemption, a financial protection. Why? Because of the covenant. Please, today, for the sake of your own financial well-being, for the sake of your mental peace and clarity, for the sake of your family and your children and your grandchildren, engage God on the platform of the financial covenant. Praise the Lord forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm here to pray for those of you today who have released your best seed into the heart of God. A Pentecostal fire offering. There is an anointing on this seed to stop all of your losses. It is, it's going to jolt any loss in your life. It's going to come to a stop. Your losses are going to come to a stop. Also, what's attached to the seeds that you have sown into the Pentecostal fire offering is that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to be your teacher. According to Isaiah 48, 17, the Lord your God who teaches, who teaches you to do what? To be poor? No, you don't need any teaching to become poor. You can be an idiot and become poor. He is the Lord your God who teaches you to do what? To profit to profit. See, you need somebody to teach you to go how to go up the mountain. 
You don't need anybody to teach you how to come down the mountain. Gravity takes care of that. But you need the Holy Spirit to teach you how to go to the top of the financial mountain and profit. And so this verse is going to become a living reality in your life. The Lord your God who teaches you the prophet who leads you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He who leads you in the way that you should go. There is a financial path that God has already pre-mapped out for you before you were even born. It was already pre-ordained. It is a path of prosperity. And not one of you did God give a path of poverty to. If you went down that path, you went down it with God weeping and crying that you took the wrong route. Maybe you got on the path because you were misinformed. Maybe you got on the path because you didn't know. But I'm telling you what, that God's path will take you to the top, not to the bottom. God's path will take you to the top of the financial mountain. Can you say yes today? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Please lift your hands right now. Father, first of all, I pray over the tithes that are being brought into the ministry right now. Father, we thank you as a corporate body that the tithes empower the ministry to keep functioning on a daily basis with administrative cost, uh, the, the cost to turn on the studio lights, the cost to pay the bills for internet streaming, the other various costs which are many that are allocated to the needs and the expenses of the ministry. We thank you that the tithe takes care of all of that in a beautiful way. And we thank you, Father God, for the special seeds that allow us to reach further and do the things that you give special assignment to, such as the moving forward of the television ministry. So, Father, for everybody now that has sown into the Pentecostal fire offering, please lift your hands. I... I I pray your blessing over their lives, Father God, that all of their losses be stopped now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of your financial losses be stopped now, and things even beyond financial loss be stopped now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray the blessing of Isaiah 48, 17 over your people, that the teaching of the Spirit of God come down upon your people like rain, that have come down upon them like rain, and they receive financial wisdom from you from on high, the wisdom that is above all. Thank you, Father God. Now take them to the top. Show them how to invest. Show them how to conduct themselves in their careers so that they move upwards. Show them, uh, oh God, everything pertaining to financial success in their lives, those that are, that are called to start their own businesses, bless them, O oh God. Those that have their own businesses, take them to an international level of, of blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. Expand their horizons. Expand their borders. Push them outward by your grace and glory through increase and blessing. We thank you, Father, that your blessing is the empowerment to prosper. We thank you for your empowerment coming now. In Jesus' name, receive the fire anointing, the Pentecost fire anointing. Now, Father, even as Pentecost in the Greek literally means 50th, Father God, let this be a jubilee breakthrough season for them. Let debts be paid off. Father, even as in the great jubilee with the nation of Israel that came around every 50 years, all debts canceled and paid off, all credit card bills paid off. Lord, let your people's debts be paid off for your glory. Free them for your glory. Free them for your usage. Free them that they might devote their hearts fully to you would not be distracted with financial concern. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Father, light their seed on fire and multiply a harvest of blessing back to them in the name of 
Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're blessed. You're blessed. Now those of you today that are sending in your Pentecostal fire offering, and those of you that are also bringing the tithes into the storehouse of God, if you would like to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, zip code 28117. Those of you that would like to bring them in online, you can go so now to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can bring them in right now. If you want to bring in your fire Pentecostal offering, make a little notation as you uh, click that send button of what that is for, and it will be applied to that designated use. I'm telling you what, your losses are being stopped. All of your losses are being stopped. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. You know, one of our uh, online church members sent in a very sacrificial Pentecostal fire offering, sent it from California, mailed it, uh, express mail, certified everything. Everything where you could put all the bells and whistles so it doesn't get lost. And it showed that it had made it to our post office, and then it just vanished. So days go by, and he gets, a, he gets a letter or, or a, a note in his mail saying that the envelope was never picked up and it's being sent back to you. But at the same time, they couldn't even send it back because they didn't know where it was at. And so, isn't it amazing how the enemy does things like that? That if you send somebody a fruitcake in the mail, it never gets lost, right? If you send somebody a pair of socks for Christmas, it'll never get lost. But if you send some, something sacred... Oh, the devil's like, whoo, whoo, but you know what? Nothing, nothing will be lost because God is stopping every single one of your losses. So you know what I did? I got the tracking number, and I went to the post office myself. Now, keep in mind that this is a very busy post office. When I say busy, sometimes it's packed. Lines that are, whoo, you know, long. But nevertheless, I'm saying, I was saying this is God's seed, and I'm going to go down there. I'm going to find out what happened to it. And you know what? Because we went down there. I went down there first and looked for it, and I spoke with the manager over the entire post office. This is a very large postal system. And I went down there, and then my wife went down there. We actually spoke with them, spoke with the manager over the whole place, and the search was commenced. And they searched, and they searched, and you know what? They found a misplaced basket that had his priority express envelope in it just sitting there just sitting there, along with 26 other priority express mail packages sitting there also, and they were all being sent back for no reason. They were all claimed as lost or unpicked up for no reason. Every single one was, mis was misfiled. You think, how does that happen? See, look, because of the anointing that's on my life and on Pastor Kelly, we not only we're able to help them find that brother's lost seed, but 25 other lost important packages also were found and delivered to their uh, respected routes as well. And, the, you know, the manager said, I don't know why somebody put all of these express overnight packages in the wrong box. But you know what? The enemy... The enemy doesn't care if a fruitcake gets delivered, but he, he's nervous about your seed. Why? Your seed affects your destiny. Mm, but we got the seed. We received it. We put it into the ministry. 
and we are, we are receiving your, your seeds, your offerings into the ministry, and not anything that's yours, not anything that rightfully belongs to you, will ever be lost or stolen or misplaced. Hallelujah. Mm, mm, hallelujah. I think about St. Anthony. Hallelujah. See, uh, my wife, when she was growing up in a Catholic family, and uh, her mother and father always took her to the Catholic church. Uh, her mother always called uh, Kelly, they always called her St. Anthony. Why? Because St. Anthony is the patron saint over anything that's lost with a supernatural ability to find lost things. Mm, glory to God. Very, very interesting. Well, uh, nothing gets by us that's lost by God's grace, because it can't get past the Lord. Mm. I could tell you some wild stories about St. Anthony. One lady who was writing to her husband, who had gone on a journey, business journey. He was gone for months and months. He's in another country. And she, she's writing, but the letters are not getting through. She's greatly concerned. Maybe he's died or something like that. Well, she kept writing some letters, and uh, she was very concerned about it, about that they're not arriving. So what she did is she went and talked to the local priest at the church, and she said, you know what? I haven't heard from my husband for months and months. I don't know if maybe he died or something like that on the journey across the ocean, uh, but he's gone missing. I haven't heard from him, but I need to get a letter to him. I need to get a letter to him. You know what the priest said to do? He said, take the letter, write the letter, and take it put it in an envelope, and put it in the hands of the statue of St. Anthony out in the courtyard of the church. So she did. She wrote out a letter to her husband. I've missed you. I haven't heard from you. Hope you're still alive. I'm greatly concerned about you. Me and the children are doing okay, but we haven't heard from you in a long time. She wrote it, put it in an envelope, and went and stuck it in his hand, a statue, because he'd passed away years earlier. Okay? She comes back just shortly later with the priest, and there's another envelope in the hand. And they take the envelope and open it up, and it's a letter from her husband. And inside is on the letter is her husband's writing. Now remember, he's in another country, but he's already sent a return letter through the angel of St. Anthony. He's already come back within minutes, and it says to his wife, I haven't heard from you until I just got your recent letter. I'm sorry that you are so concerned about me. The journey has taken longer than what I thought, but I just want you to let you know I'm doing okay, and I'm also including this money that I'm sending to you so that you and the children are taken care of. And so when she was reading the letter that it says, I've also sent the money, 300 shillings or whatever it was, money fell out of the sleeve of the statue, the exact amount of coins that were said in the letter that the husband sent to the wife. Woo! Are you ready for miracles? Nothing lost, stolen, or misplaced. This is Pentecost Sunday. Don't be afraid of miracles. Embrace the power of God. God wants to do miracles in your life. Hallelujah. God wants to get money to you tomorrow. He can get it. Don't try to figure it out. Glory to God. It might fall out of the sleeve of a statue. Hallelujah. But nothing is impossible with God. Father, I bless your people. I bless your people. I thank you, and I thank you that you're blessing the television ministry. In Jesus' name, we all say amen.
And amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. So your seed, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. Now, let's jump into today's Pentecost message. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I believe that although we celebrate this feast every year, once a year, that while we study the basic material of Pentecost, I believe that there's a different flavor, a different anointing upon every Pentecostal service. And I want us to expect the anointing to flow from the Holy Spirit today. And I believe God's going to speak to you. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, let your word come alive. Let it come alive by your spirit. And let it do its work in our hearts of bringing the mighty faith that you give in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I love the upper room there in Jerusalem. Every time I've been there with the tour group, there has been a, another moving of the Spirit of God Hallelujah, and we thank God that the Spirit of God is still working mightily today. So let's talk just a little bit about the day of Pentecost. Technically, it is the Feast of Pentecost. Israel was commanded by God through their, the servant Moses to have seven feasts each year, spread out over a period of time, seven feasts. Three of these feasts were considered to be pilgrim feasts. What does that mean? It means you get to go on vacation. Praise God. Now, the three feasts that you got to go up to Jerusalem were Passover, Pentecost, and then Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? So, when it came around to these three, uh, these feasts, these were called the three major feasts. Every male, every adult male had to present themselves in Jerusalem. So, you were required to go. Okay? So this is one of the big ones, Pentecost. Now let's take a look at Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. And let's go to verse 14. Hallelujah. God's blessing you today. Look, this is a breakthrough season in your life. This is a breakthrough season in your life. I'm saying that under the anointing of the Spirit. Exodus 23 verse 14. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. By the way, Pentecost is the only feast where bread with leaven is celebrated. It's really a time to eat the good wheat bread and all of that fun stuff. So at Pentecost, which is today, uh, they, the Jews would eat the wheat and they weren't concerned, uh, concerned about the bread rising and all of that stuff. But the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Passover, of course, was different. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt, none shall appear before me empty. Verse 16, and the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of your labors which you have sown in the field. Okay, so the Feast of Harvest is another word, another term for what we call Pentecost. To the Hebrews, if they were to say it in English, they would say Feast of Harvest. That is a very good translation of what it means in Hebrew. Feast of Harvest. And it represents the bringing in of the first fruits 
from the spring harvest of wheat. Now at Passover, they would bring in the barley. And you could live off barley, but it's rough, very coarse grain. And they would primarily use it as feed for the animals. But now we're in the time where this harvest is coming in, this beautiful harvest of the wheat. And that really is the preferential food that you want to be eating when it comes to uh, floured goods. Praise God. So here we have the Feast of Harvest. And it says, after that would be the Feast of the Ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. So verse 17, three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God. Now, Pentecost was also called the Feast of Weeks. Now, if you are in modern-day Israel, and you heard them talking about Pentecost or Feast of Harvest, sometimes called Feast of Weeks, they basically would say Shavuot. Okay, that's how they refer to this feast. And Shavuot means Feast of Weeks. The reason it's called Feast of Weeks is that this name comes from the seven weeks plus the one day that are counted down from Passover. And that, of course, would determine when you would celebrate Pentecost. It's basically just 49 plus 1. And so they call it the Feast of Weeks. Makes sense. Seven weeks. Okay? Now, we call it the Feast of Pentecost because in the New Testament, the New Testament is written in Greek. And I know that a lot of people in the church, they like to study Hebrew. There is a revival, a, uh, uh, an awakening of our Jewish roots. And so a lot of people love to study Hebrew and learn Hebrew. Uh, my daughter is pretty good. She's gotten pretty good at Hebrew. Uh, now, but for me, I really prefer the Greek. Remember, the New Covenant is written in the Greek language. That's not a mistake, by the way. And I love the Greek language. It's, it's very, very beautiful. And it was chosen to be the language to express the, the, uh, the New Covenant that we now have through the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you were to read Acts chapter 2, verse 1, read it in the original text, in the Greek, where it says to us Pentecost, in the Greek it actually says Pentecostus. And that basically is a word that just simply means 50th. 50th, the big 5-0. So today I want you to understand that as we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, that this feast is very prophetic. And although every year it rolls around, and there are consistent prophetic symbols that refer and point us to the Lord Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You still have to understand He's still speaking every, every season to you through this feast. And there's something I believe special. Today, in this very season, I believe an anointing coming off of this feast, coming off of Christ, that God wants you to catch and receive into your heart today. Glory to God. I, and I believe I know what it is. I want to talk about it here in just a little bit. But first of all, let's jump a little bit further into this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Praise the Lord. And let's go to verse 25. So here we see that the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, 
basically known by us New Testament Christians as the Feast of Pentecost, was a special feast to the Jews. And this one had a, a special reverence because it was during the day of Pentecost that God gave the Ten Commandments to the Jewish people through Moses, the servant of God, on Mount Sinai. Let's take a look at it, verse 25. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame and uh, among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp, and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side, and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp. Let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. So on the day of Pentecost, the day that the law, the Torah, was given to God's people, uh, it was a rough day. Uh, you have to also remember with the law, the law didn't have a lot of room for mercy. And if you broke the law, well, you suffered whatever the consequence was. And there was rebellion going on in the camp. Remember, Moses has been away. He's coming back. He's got the Ten Commandments, and he shows up. And you know, you got the golden calf. You got all kinds of immorality. You've got the people unrestrained, lack of leadership, and anything that you don't oversee, it will spin out of control. You've got to give guidance to it, whether it's your business, whether it's your children, anything under your authority, if you don't, if you don't give it direction and you're not monitoring it, whether it's your investments, uh, things can go cuckoo, okay? And so weak leadership, you know, with Aaron caused, caused a lot of problems. And so there were immediate repercussions, 3,000 people on that day, which was the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people died. Now, very quickly, let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we'll see the opposite occurring uh, with grace in the new, new covenant. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent. Okay, we're speaking to the Jewish, uh, to the, uh, to the Jewish people who... Uh, are followers of the law of Moses, but they, they rejected Christ. Many of them had witnessed the crucifixion. Many of them were involved even in the, the unfolding of it there at Pilate's court and so forth. They were able to see all of that. So Peter's preaching to them. He said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, what day? Pentecost, which is today. About 3,000 souls were added to them. So on the original day of Pentecost, when the law was given, 3,000 people died. On the day that the Spirit was given, 3,000 were saved. Wow, praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Let's continue on. This is a very prophetic 
feast. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but the rabbis and the Jewish sages, who by the way are very, very good with record keeping, they teach that on the day of Pentecost was the day that King David died. King David was a very prophetic person. On the day of Pentecost also was the day that Enoch was born. And also, according to the Jewish rabbis and their, their sages, and they, they're very accurate with these traditions, because they've got, they've got records that go back thousands of years. This was not only the day that Enoch was born on the day of Pentecost, it was also the day that he was translated and taken up to heaven. Woo! Hallelujah! Pentecost! Hallelujah! Maybe you want to catch some of that Enoch anointing today! And if you're gone by midnight tonight, we'll know what happened to you. You touched that Pentecostal anointing. <laughs> but I do believe that Enoch was a representation of the end time church. Really, really. I believe that Enoch was not the only one who was translated. Now, I, I know that Enoch and Elijah are recorded in the Scripture as being taken up alive. But just because two people are mentioned doesn't mean that's the only two people that happened to. Just because only two angels are named doesn't mean all the other all the other angels walk around in heaven with no name. And they don't know how to communicate to each other because they don't know what each other's name is. No, they all have a name. They've all got a name. There's a lot of things in the Bible that are not written, not recorded. If it all were, I mean, I mean, I mean come on, the book would be taller than you and me stacked on top of our heads together. So we have what we need. But I, I've read uh, from many mystics, and I've read from many prophets, and I've had some very unusual experiences myself. I believe there have been others who have been translated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I remember Prophet Richard Sigmund, who's now in heaven. And of course, there's a very well-known book that he wrote about his, his trip to heaven when he had the car accident, or he was in a van, actually. And he was in a, in a tragic accident, and he died. Well, they, they take his body onto the morgue, and he goes to heaven. And he's in heaven for quite a period of time. And he said that while he was in heaven, he saw other saints. And he said he couldn't explain it, wasn't even wanting to try to explain it. But he saw other saints in heaven besides Enoch and Elijah who had been translated. And, you know, he's an evangelical you know, Pentecostal minister, and he, he said, well, I didn't know what to think about it, but there they were, and I knew that they had been translated. So, uh, there's a lot going on in these last days. And by the way, the end time generation that does go to be with the Lord will skip over the grave. That's an Enoch generation, hallelujah, that will never taste death. Woo! Hallelujah, that could be us. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. Mm -mm. We need to be living all out for the Lord. All out for the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. I loved it when Richard Sigmund was sent from heaven. His spirit was sent back into his body. And uh, they, they had him there, uh, you know, in the morgue getting ready to uh, do, the, do whatever they do with dead people. And he, he came back into his body and he heard them talking, various people that were in the room. And he said, I ain't dead yet. And he said, one of, the, one of the people lost complete control of their bowels. 
and another person screamed and said, he's alive. Uh, well, you should get the book. Very, very interesting. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what's good about a book. Brother Sigmund's in heaven now, but he, he still speaks the message through the book that he wrote. Come on, some of you that are supposed to write. You need to do your job. You need to write the book. Praise God. Write the manuscript. Write the song. Write what God has put on your heart. Write the movie script. Woo, somebody needs to write some good movies. So much garbage and junk. It seems to me, and I, I don't really see the movies. You know, I see, I see advertisements from billboards and stuff, but it seems to me that really the only thing that people go out and watch a movie for is to see things get blown up and see computer generated effects. So that's it. We blew up another planet, blew up another spaceship, blew up some more people, blew up another whole city. And it seems like that's all it is. It's just destruction and chaos. Whatever happened to good writing, good script, a good plot. Hmm. Praise God. Well, I believe, I believe God's people need to write up, rise up and uh, plug in some scripts there. Hallelujah. Start your own movie company if you have to. Glory to God. If it's good, people will watch it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Enoch was born on Pentecost, was translated to heaven on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is considered by the Jews to be the official birthday of Israel. The day that Moses came down and gave the law was the day of Pentecost, and that is the official birthday of Israel, and Israel, oh, will be around forever. Woo, hallelujah. Look, you need to bless Israel. You need to support Israel. There's so much baloney and, and demonic activity out there. There's companies that say, divest Israel, boycott Israel. In other words, don't do business with Israel. We want them to suffer. We want to teach them a lesson. I tell you right now, that is demonic. And the Lord, the Lord said that those that bless Abraham, I will bless. Those that curse Abraham, I will curse. And Abraham is the father of Israel, the spiritual father. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob changed his name to Israel. Oh, and if you'll bless Israel, the blessing of the Lord will come on you. And I'll say something. It doesn't matter what stream of Christianity you're in. Pentecostal, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, uh, you know, Eastern Orthodox, Western Orthodox, whatever. If you don't understand Israel in the end times, you'll be clueless as to what God's up to in the last days of, of His workings with the church. You must know prophetically what God is doing. Keep your eye on Israel. Yes, Pastor Stephen, Israel is represented by the fig tree. Mm, technically, the fig tree represents Jerusalem. So if you really want to know, watch Jerusalem. I'm so happy that our president had the guts to do what God has endorsed and has already spoken, that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel, and that Israel forever belongs to the Jewish people. Look. Look, you know what, if you're, if you're Arab, you don't have to be jealous. You have your own allotment. You have your own allotment. That, that's the thing. You know what, God, God gave different allotments, not just to the Jewish people, but every, every people group has their own space. And if God says, this is your space, really, bottom line, it's even more than enough than what you need. So, oh, my friends, be a staunch defender of Israel. Hallelujah. Because Israel's not going anywhere. If you want to be on the winning side, always stand with Israel. Praise God. And we thank God for our president who did just that. Stood with God and God's people. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Makes me feel good that we're not embarrassed 
of the Bible, that we're not embarrassed of our Savior, who is Jewish, who had 12 apostles who were Jewish, who we hold the Bible that was written by 66 books, all written by Jewish men. I know that a few theologians say a couple of the books were written by a Gentile. I don't think so. I think even Luke was Jewish. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But my friends, my friends, we must pray and stand and intercede for Israel. Hallelujah. Their day's coming. Their day's coming. God's going to begin to pull back the veil. And it's already happening. There's even rabbis getting saved in Israel. Mm -hmm. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so happy birthday to Israel. But guess what? Woo, we're in the family of God, and it's also happy birthday to us. Pentecost is the birthday of Israel. Pentecost is the birthday of the, of the church. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on this day, and the church became a living organization, the embodiment of Christ upon the earth. Woo, hallelujah. We're not going anywhere either. <laughs> the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. Yes, glory to God. Mm -mm. I want to get me a few islands, hallelujah. Mm -mm. I'd like to inherit a few islands, praise God. I may never get them in this lifetime, and that's okay, because I don't even know if i got enough time to go to them. But there's going to come a day I want some islands. Woo, hallelujah. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. On Mount Sinai. On the day of Pentecost, God's presence was accompanied by fire, smoke, and thunder. But on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came in as a mighty rushing wind with tongues of fire upon all of the 120 who were there. Glory to God. This is a day of destiny for you. Lift your hands right now and say, yes, it is. This is a day of destiny for you. Glory to God. I know it is. Things are changing. Things are breaking off of you where the devil's power is getting weaker. And you're getting stronger and stronger for God. And you're liking the taste and the flavor of God and the fragrance of God. And you're getting addicted to God. And the things of the world are falling off, falling off. And you're going all the way with God. And you're not embarrassed to stand with the Lord. You're not embarrassed to stand up for the, for the, the power of the gospel. You're not embarrassed to stand with Israel. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because anybody that doesn't stand with God and doesn't stand with Israel, you're on the losing side. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord God. Mm. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, the law, the Torah, provided God's teaching for His people. But at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit moved into our very hearts as believers, and He became the mighty teacher. It's like carrying the law around with you all the time on the inside, but it's even beyond that, because under the Old Covenant, you would study the Torah, you would study all the do's and the don'ts, and you would, you would try to memorize all of it, and you'd get real good at learning this and that. But you know what? You're having to constantly learn it, constantly memorize, and then you're trying to get other things in there. But see, here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit came, and He came into you as a believer, and He moves in as the great teacher, He's teaching you 24-7. Woo! And you don't even have to carry around two big stone tablets. 
You don't have to carry it. Look, you don't even have to carry your Bible around. Although I, I, I always endeavor to have a Bible with me. But because he's in you, he's teaching you all the time. And you could, you could go into the grocery store, push that cart out, put those groceries in the back of your car, push that cart away, get in your car, get ready to drive off. The Holy Spirit says, you need to put the rack, you need to put the cart over there in the cart rack. Now, who's teaching you that? You tell me where that's at in the law. Hmm? But if you want to follow the teacher, he won't let you out of that parking lot in peace until you put that cart away. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. You go to Lowe's, you go to Home, uh, Home Depot, and you push that big heavy cart out. Well, I don't want to put, you load your vehicle up. I don't want to push that thing all the way over to that rack. I'll just leave it here. I'll take up somebody else's parking spot with it. Who cares? But as a Christian, you sit in your car, and you want to drive off, and the Holy Spirit says, what about that cart? You just going to leave it there? Mm -hmm. He teaches he teach you all the time. He's teaching 24-7. This is way beyond just a written code on a book, unrolling scrolls and reading, and then walking away from it. No, no. He's in you, with you, 24-7. What a better system. God living on the inside of you. Mm, John 14. Let's go there. Lord, we give you praise. Woohoo! Glory to God. See, some of you have been ignoring that teaching. And you go to the hotel, and you, you stay in the hotel for one night, but yet you're going you're gonna to go out to the maid's cart, and you're going to grab 25 shampoo bottles. And the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? Well, I, I have a right for this. I paid for this. You paid for the four that are in your room. You don't need to go out and start taking all that stuff off her cart when she's not looking. And you need to put those towels back, too. You, you take, you're taking the hotel towels. Get them out of your suitcase and hang them back up. They belong to the hotel man, not to you. Hallelujah. Who's saying all of that? The Holy Spirit on the inside of you. If you want to go anywhere with God, you need to listen to Him. And I'll tell you right now, if you do not follow the teaching of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to go very far in the kingdom. And you go in, in your own power. You go in your own ability if you avoid and neglect his teaching. And he's teaching all the time. Mm. You know when you said something that hurt somebody. Well, how do we know? I didn't read about that. You don't need to read about it. He's inside of you. You sense uh, something that's not right that I just said that. Why, why do I feel that uneasiness? What just created that tension? What you said hurt that person. And so... Then you have to deal with that. You have, you have, see, the Holy Spirit makes your heart soft. He makes your heart soft. He makes your heart soft. He makes you soft. Look, I'm a man. I know what it is to sweat. I know what it is to give a firm handshake. But I, I, I still like hummingbirds. I still like flowers. I still like pastel colors. Why? The Holy Spirit will make you sweet. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be some kind of a macho idiot. <laughs> this is not about who's got the biggest muscles, who's got the fastest car, who's got the most horsepower. No, no. This is about God, the love of God. And when the Holy Spirit's in you, you don't want to hurt anybody. You don't even want to hurt your enemies. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm -mm. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said in verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. 
See, I'm teaching right now. And when this message is over, and you leave the internet, and you're still walking around, the Holy Spirit's still teaching, still extracting nuggets from the Word of God as you meditate on the Word of God. But even when you wake up in the morning, He's still teaching. Whether I'm on or off, or something else is on or off, He's still teaching. If you got on a remote island, strand it. You're on a cruise ship, and you're the only one that made it off the cruise ship while I was going down. And you notice an island a quarter mile away, and you swim, and you get on the island, and you realize you're the only one there. You're the only one there. And you have no internet, and you have no TV, and you have no Bible. You don't have anything. But you still have the Holy Spirit. He's always there with you, and He'll teach you. He'll teach you what to do. He'll teach you how to make a fire. <laughs> He'll teach you how to make a shelter. He'll teach you how to fish. He'll teach you anything you need to know. Mm, and He'll still continue to unveil Christ to you through the Word. Glory to God. Glory to God. But see, you have much more than that. You have access to all of these things for edification. Let's take advantage of them. Look, let's go pro-level with our faith. We don't have time to play around with nonchalant Christianity. It's time to run into the things of God. It's time to be on the front lines of the next spiritual awakening. But we need to be awake. Woo! Glory to God. The fire touching you today. Consuming. Listen. Consuming every distraction. There are a lot of distractions among God's people. A lot of distractions. And Israel always had their most challenging times when? When they were prosperous. Oh yes, God wants you to prosper. But don't let your toys distract you. Don't let your empowerment to now have options to do various things. Don't let all that stuff distract you. You go right back to your prayer time. You go right back to church. You go right back to being in the Word. You go right back to just gobbling up as much of God as you can. You don't have to be in a monastery to live like a monk. You don't have to join the convent to have a holy life like a nun. Glory to God! Hallelujah. You don't have to wear a long brown or dark robe to be spiritual. Although some people need to put some robes on with all the half nudity we have walking around. Lord have mercy. Mm, 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 Jesus, hallelujah. Woo! We live in a very corrupt society. Very corrupt generation. When women take almost all their clothes off in public and walk around in grocery stores and walk around on sidewalks with hardly any clothes on. Lord have mercy. Mm -mm. I expect the sinners to do it. But God's people, as God's people, we should live holy lives. Mm -mm. Some people need to put some robes on. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. The Holy Spirit is teaching. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We need the Holy Spirit. You need Him every day. You need Him every day. There's so many distractions that without the Holy Spirit, you'll drift. You'll drift into all kinds of stuff. All kinds of things. You get, that you get all kinds of invites and things pleading for your attention through your emails, through television, 
through flyers, through newspapers. Everything's trying to compete for your devotion and your attention. And it's very easy in society to drift, to drift, and you lose the fire, you lose the, fat, the, the passion, you lose the flame. See, once you're up, you got to stay up. You got to stay up. You got to keep pouring it. You, you got to stay full of oil. Hallelujah. I, I can't give you my oil. I can pray for you. I can try to stir you up, but the oil is in me. I can't, I can't give that to you. You got to have your own oil. And you got to be burning a, a, a bright flame. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Get on fire for the Lord. I had been in. Uh, uh, prayer and writing yesterday and I, I drove back to where my house is at and there's a Starbucks close by and you know it's about 845 at night kind of late to get a Starbucks but you know what I was thirsty and I, I hadn't had one for a few days and so I go get a Starbucks and right next door to it there's a bar and the bar is just humming and it's just packed out and all of these people going in there singing you know all the, the worldly songs and I just said oh God all the alcohol, all the music, how many even of your own people are in there thinking this is wonderful. And you know what? It is a total waste of time. And if Christ were to come back and take the church away and the great tribulation began to unfold, I'd tell you what, there'd be a lot of believers that would not be able to touch the Enoch anointing. They're not going anywhere. They're not ready. They're not even ready. And God can't take them because they're not ready. They'd be embarrassed to stand before the Lord because of the lives they're living. Praise the Lord. My friends, we need to get serious about our walk with God. You need to take your walk with the Lord serious just like you take your career serious. Like you want to do well and you want to consider yourself as being viewed as a professional at what you do with your work. You need to take your Christian walk in the same light. You want to be a pro. Praise the Lord. Not amateur. Not just skipping along. No, no. You need to know your stuff and live, live the life. Woo! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5. Not that we think we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit, come on, the Spirit gives life. You need the life of the Spirit, the oil of the Spirit, the joy of the Spirit, the love of the Spirit, the boldness of the Spirit. Mm, hallelujah. We do not need to be intellectual deadheads. We don't need to be able to just to explain it, although there is a place for explanation, and there is a place for study. But my friends, we need to be able to not just explain, but demonstrate. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The letter kills... But the Spirit gives life. Mm, mm, glory to God. Glory to God. It's true. You can go to Jerusalem. You can see all these Orthodox Jews dressed in their garbs, studiers of the law, able to quote large portions of the Torah back to you, whole chapters at a time. And you'll see them leave Torah study. And you'll see them go right over to the brothel house where they have sexual relations and commit adultery, fornication, and immorality with women that they aren't married to. And then they leave those houses of ill repute and go home. 
hoping that nobody saw them. It's true. Why? The letter, it, it, it kills. It kills. You, you can never please God by the letter of the law. Why? We, we can't do it. It's like trying to, it's trying to tell somebody to uh, go high jump over a 10-foot bas basketball rim. You can't. Nobody on the planet can do that. And that was the whole purpose of the law. It's too high. It's too holy. The standard is too excellent. Nobody can keep it. And nobody did except for one man named Jesus. Well, Pastor Stephen, if we couldn't keep it, what was the purpose of it? To show you that, that, that you can't please God through works. Although there's a place for good works, but you, you're never going to be good enough to go to heaven. You're going to have to put your faith and trust not in a legal code, but in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there were those under the Old Covenant that even understood that. David, he figured it out. He said, ah, he said, okay, Lord, I've got it. He said, you're not really into all of these offerings, all of this sacrificial blood of, uh, and, and, uh, of goats and bulls and all of this. Uh, that's not really what it's all about. And he understood that it's about a person putting their faith in God putting their faith in God. Even David went into the, into the tabernacle of the Lord and ate the showbread, something, that, uh, even a place that only their priests were allowed into, only they could eat the bread, and he did it. And technically got away with it. Why? He understood these are symbols. These are symbols of something greater to come. And he respected it, and he kept it in that format of the legal system, and he didn't abuse it. But he also understood that if he ever needed to, when he was especially hungry, he could go in there and eat that, and he did. And God let him do it. Praise the Lord. Whoo, glory to God. Hallelujah. See, the Holy Spirit comes. He comes to touch your heart. Oh, I know you're saved. I know you love the Lord. I know you're on your way to heaven. Many Christians are. All Christians are, actually. But my friends, there's a, there's a deeper circumcision where the Holy Spirit comes and just begins to cut things off that hold us back from God. And it's like He begins to deal with their heart. And my prayer today on Pentecost Sunday would be that the Spirit of God would come and even laser engrave Jesus on your heart. You know, there have been holy saints who have died, and after they died, doctors would examine them. And even find many times a cross had been burned onto their hearts. I'm talking about their physical blood pumping heart. You know, how does something like that happen? Because they had such a love for Christ. And many of the old images, the old iconography, uh, iconographs, you'd see the saints holding a crucifix with Christ on the crucifix. And they're looking at Christ crucified. And they're meditating on what Christ did for you and I at Calvary. And they are drawing from the benefits of his death. Because it's through his death that we have life. And they would fall so much in love with Jesus and the cross. That when they died and they were opened up. There would be a cross burned onto their hearts. That's happened over and over and over again. Glory to God. I've seen it happen also in Pentecostal circles when A.A. A. Allen the great evangelist would minister in the 1960s and 1970s. A cross would appear on his forehead, visible right there all the time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, it's the Holy Spirit that draws you into a deeper relationship with God. Why? Because he knows the Lord is the only one who will satisfy you. And he begins to help you by 
pulling away from all of the tentacles of the world that would try to pull you away from true happiness, true peace, and a life that can be the most rewarding. Praise the Lord. So stay with the Holy Spirit. He'll keep the Word vibrant. He'll keep the Word fresh and alive for you. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit is burning up chaff in your heart right now. The Holy Spirit is circumcising the flesh of your heart, cutting off that flesh, a taste and a desire for worldly things. It's being cut by the Spirit of God right now. Let the severing take place. Why? Because you're going into the promised land of God, and you can't be distracted. It requires a high walk, a clean mind, a focused mind to go into the fullness of your inheritance. Praise God. Praise God. The Holy Spirit right now is directing, I would even say redirecting your heart back to full focus on the Lord. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to the Lord today. Today, my friends, is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost means 50. I believe there is an anointing for Jubilee to be released into your life. Because in the nation of Israel, every 50 years, you have the Jubilee. What is that? It's a release. All prisoners go free. You walk out free. All debts are paid off. Credit card debts. It's all gone. Vehicle debts. Home debts. Every debt. Personal debt. It's all released and you're free. I believe there's a 50 anointing on Pentecost, which means 50. I believe there's a 50 anointing, a jubilee anointing that's available today. Lift your hands. Father, on this holy fire Pentecost Sunday, where the Jewish people around the world celebrate this wonderful feast, the giving of the Torah, the birthing of the nation of Israel, the official birthday. Father, we celebrate Pentecost as the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birthing of the church. Oh, God, your expression of Christ in the earth today through your people. Oh, Father, we thank you that there is a 50 anointing, a jubilee anointing. And, Father, you see your people burdened down with debt and problems, and even the enemy has rushed in and caused destruction and chaos. But, oh, God, when the enemy would come in like a flood, your spirit would come and lift up a standard against him. And I'm asking today that your spirit would come in and lift up the standard of defense and say, enough is enough. It's over in the name of Christ. And, Father God, that your people go free. Hallelujah. Properties that need to sell, sell. Buildings that need to be purchased and homes that need to be purchased, be purchased. Things that need to be released, let go. Breakthroughs that need to happen, come forth now. In the name of Jesus, I release Jubilee anointing over your life now. In the name of Jesus, receive. Lift your hands and say, I claim it. I claim it, Jubilee anointing, Pentecost fire. Jump up right now, wherever you're at, begin to move around. Some of you are feeling the fire of God on you. You're feeling the fire of God in your feet. Hallelujah. Oh, the fire of the Spirit of God moving, burning up sickness and disease in your body, touching your eyes. Somebody's eyes are being touched and healed right now. You can feel the fire of God on your eyes. I break all confusion, all doubt, all there's a spirit of depression that's on somebody. I break it 
Now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, clear mind, blue skies, goodbye, gray skies, blue skies, hallelujah, the sun's shining, the sun's shining, revelation is flowing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is your day. I speak freedom over your life, freedom over your life. I call your debts paid off, the wind of God is moving. I call the debts paid off, your debts paid off, your credit card debts paid off. I break it in the name of Jesus. You go through a under the breaker anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ, the head of the church, breaks it through for you. You go through. You finally go through. Your season is here. Now that God is lifting you, stay with the Lord. Run with the Lord. Circumcise your heart and say, I will be distracted no more by silly things. I give God my best. I take my walk with God seriously. Hallelujah. Go forth into this new dimension and stay up with the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. As a church family, let us now take, let us take communion together. I'd like for you to grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And I'm going to read to you today from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You shout out the Lord's death till He comes. Hmm. Praise the Lord. You proclaim His death. I used to read that and wonder, how come we don't proclaim His life? Why don't we proclaim His resurrection, His lifting up? Why not proclaim His ascension to the right hand of God? Why proclaim the death? Because every time you proclaim the, de the Lord's death... When we take communion, every, and that's what we're doing. When we're taking this, we're proclaiming His death. Every time we're doing that, we're saying, He was punished so we could go free. He took our sin upon Him during His death so that we could receive His righteousness. See, everything happened in His death. The whole, the whole switch took place. We gave Him our poverty. We received His riches. Praise the Lord. We gave Him all of our sicknesses, all of our diseases. We received healing. When? During His death. During His death. So, every time we, we take this, we are proclaiming what? His death. His death. That's why I love looking at the cross. That's why I love seeing Jesus crucified at Calvary. Why? Because it all took place through His death, and through that, we have life. We have life. We have life. So, Father, we thank you for the bread. We thank you for the juice. We consecrate it and bless it. As we take it together, this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Of Jesus. As we look at it with our physical eyes, we see a little wafer, and we see grape juice. But, Father, as we partake of it, we receive the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for all of the mighty benefits that were wrought at Calvary through Christ's death. Father, as we partake of His flesh now, we thank you that we walk into the Spirit-empowered life, leaning on Christ and needing desperately your Holy Spirit to guide us, to advise us, and to help us in all the areas of our life. 
We thank you, Father God, that he's making us more like Jesus, and he's revealing Christ to us, taking us from glory to glory. And Father, we certainly give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive now the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, we praise you today. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for his mighty cleansing power. Thank you for the new covenant, the new deal. Hallelujah. And Father, as we drink this blood, we thank you there is forgiveness and cleansing from all sin and from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Father, for your grace released into our lives, the power to live holy lives, and for your Holy Spirit who helps us to choose you and to drink from you instead of drinking from the broken cisterns of the world system. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. We choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. There's Pentecostal fire. There's Holy Spirit anointing flowing right now, coming over your body. Somebody you're watching and you want to lose weight. God's given you that desire. There's grace for it now. Receive impartation to lose weight, to choose the Lord, to go after the Lord. And the Lord, as you pursue Him, will displace the hunger for unhealthy eating. God's helping you right now. Receive that grace. It's going to be easier. Easier than you think. There'll be some tough spots, but it's going to be easier than you think. Grace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now God's healing stomachs right now. Some of you have had stomach problems, stomach discomfort, unexplainable indigestion, constant cramps. Be healed in the name of Jesus. The soothing healing power of Christ touches your body now. I break off from your shoulders, your neck, stress, pressure, worry, fear. I command it to loose you now in the name of Jesus. You go free. You go free in the happiness of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I pray strength for you, boldness for you, that the darts of the enemy, the words of the enemy that would mock you as a Christian, that would mock you as a follower of Christ, that it all falls to the ground, that you are healed, you are blessed, and you are happy, and that the truth be told, they're jealous and envious of you. So rejoice in the Lord, for the Lord is your shade, your protection, your shield, your redeemer, and he will always hold you up with blessing. And even you're going you're gonna to see Psalm 23 in your life, that even in front of those that would be jealous, envious, even that those that would be enemies, God has prepared a table before uh, before you in the very presence of your enemies, and they are going to have to watch while you eat of that table of blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, the enemies he's backing off even already. The peace and the presence of God are flowing in. And when God comes in, the enemy disperses and backs out. The presence of God coming all over you, all around you right now. Every worry, every fear dissipating now. Hallelujah. Peace 
as your inheritance in Christ. Father, I bless your people on Pentecost Sunday with the strength of the Lord, with the power of the Spirit, and with the wind of God being with them everywhere they go. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. My friends, thank you for joining me today on this Pentecost Sunday. You have a wonderful week. Enjoy Jubilee. Expect Jubilee. The Spirit of God, the power of God, destroying those things, anything that has kept you in bondage. Jubilee means you go free. This is your Jubilee season. Take it, claim it, believe it, and walk in it by faith. God bless you. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.